Hello and welcome to Chatting, a podcast where people chat about how they learn and use English. My name is Sam, I'm a CELTA teacher and a performer and I have a particular interest in pronunciation and expression. In each episode, non-native and native speakers will chat about their experiences with English, share their advice and, at the end, I'll give some pronunciation tips for you to take away and practice. So, ready? Let's get chatting. This episode, I'm chatting with Jamie. Jamie is originally from New Zealand. She's lived and worked in the UK and is now in the Netherlands. As we're in different countries, we enjoyed an online chat and her lovely dog was very quiet throughout. For vocabulary, a person from New Zealand is also known by the informal term a kiwi, after the national bird, not the yummy green furry fruit. We chatted about how vowel sounds differ between New Zealand and the UK, sociolinguistics and kiwiness, politely asking people to speak more slowly, and what to expect when you visit New Zealand. But I started by asking Jamie to tell me a little bit about herself. Hello, I'm Jamie and I am a New Zealander currently living in Europe in the Netherlands. And I've been previously living in London and working in London. I came over to study in London. That's what first brought me abroad. So I don't know much about New Zealand. I know it's a beautiful place. But if you were back home and speaking to other New Zealanders, how would they describe your accent? Like, would they be able to tell where you're from? New Zealand accent, as as um, many people sort of here first of all is the it can be very closed and it can be very tight and uh, it's quite back in the mouth and we don't use our lips or our jaw a lot to to get the diction so it, it's quite a um, narrow feeling of speech in the mouth and um, when you open the R vowel a little bit open a little bit more forward uh, it's quite a familiar sound in Britain, um, but it's suddenly quite striking if you hear that in uh, in New Zealand. People go, ooh, that sounds a bit fancy, a bit British, <laughs> a bit, yeah. And that's interesting. So the, yeah. um, the accent then in New Zealand, is it relatively similar between the North and the South Islands or does it change a lot depending where you are? Yeah, there it's there are no dialects, there are there are no regional accents. Uh, but I think the country is so young, it hasn't really had that history um, of tribal sort of you know separate tribes sort of coming up. It was a very much a one person across the across the islands. Except, however, there was a large Scottish um, colonial arrival in the south. Uh, in Dunedin and in the Southland of the South Island, um, heavily yeah, colonised by Scottish, Irish sort of Celtic um, ships. Whether simply it was just the ship's landing, I don't know if that was where they just came into, but there is an R, there is a rolled R down in the South Island. So they'll say purple work jersey. So you know immediately that they come from that area. Yeah. When you yeah. hear it, I love it. The rolled R. <laughs> the rolled Slightly, R. yeah. 
yeah purple work jersey now I can't even I don't even know if that's an exact uh, <laughs> so that's the only regional uh, little difference and it's simply just on the R I love the way that you described that the sounds were more forward and sort of more nasal maybe more closed and tighter when you studied uh, linguistics did you have a look at this sort of thing yeah, yeah. Um, that was where I first sort of began to realise that, um, well, you see it phonetically, you see differences, you know, if people explain it phonetically in the languages. Then if you sort of think of your own experience of of learning different languages and then sort of falling back into your own first language, you begin to sort of notice the feeling of where you are making the sounds or producing them in your mouth or where you, the, the sense of them might be in the mouth, so to speak. And so yeah, it was then I realized after learning Italian, learning French, learning German, that New Zealanders, I think, and it, it goes into our culture as well. We're very relaxed generally. We like to come off as being quite a cool and chilled out kind of people. Right. It's not a dramatic kind of accent. People pride themselves on being very chilled out. And, you know, it's sunny. There's a lot of beach everywhere. Right. No one's going to get dramatic. <laughs> so you've got two journeys then. First journey from New Zealand to the UK. Now, yeah. as you're going from one English-speaking country to another you'd sort of think oh well there'd be no problems with accent or vocabulary did you experience any difficulties yeah I wish someone had forewarned me or given me a little bit of friendly you know advice <laughs> you, you're going to another speaking English speaking country but it, there are a lot of differences um community language wise um accent wise culturally everything like that sort of plays into it so I wonder whether you really actively tried to change your accent quicker than it might have changed had you just sort of naturally mm. let, it, let it I mean yeah. but then you find a lot of people who come from different places really hold on to their accent because it is part of your identity yeah and I think um I was possibly more aware of what was going on psychologically and socially because I had a degree in it and it is a, a, a great personal interest of mine anyway the whole the whole way we communicate um, and languages so there is a social phenomenon that when you are with people you can become even more strong uh, you can start to really put your accents out there to identify and to state I'm different from you we are not the same mm. and you can do that subconscious it happens subconsciously and consciously so in sociolinguistics you, you do find that when people want to assimilate or if they're in a group and they really like these people and that's you know that of their kind they start to sort of use the same jargon or they might try and start to sound like these people as well to assimilate to be wanting to be accepted mm -hmm. um, and that's that also happens consciously and subconsciously to some levels so mm -hmm. I think when I consciously wanted to be understood particularly over the phone people wouldn't understand me so I had to really open and uh, get the diction working much more than I would run it off in New Zealand speaking with somebody you know mm. because it's just the ear the ear muscles that sort of that's tuning in like you do in any in any language yeah. speaking with people you know in those instances but 
a lot of the time I actually stayed quite strong and I really put my uh, Kiwi, Kiwiness, <laughs> I stayed strong and being, you know, because I, I felt, yeah, this is me. I'm sorry. You know, you should be able to say this is me without saying I'm sorry. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's move to the Netherlands then. So now you're going to a non-native English country. How do you feel there? Do you feel that you speak as you speak or do you actively change, modify your vocabulary because you're around non-native English speakers? I try to avoid um, colloquial speech, saying uh, Kiwiisms like sweet as or <laughs> yeah, man, or yeah, cool dude. Those <laughs> friendly colloquialisms, I've realised, just confuse people. <laughs> And it's a bit of a funny juggle because you're trying to be yourself, but to help find a common ground with with non-English speakers, uh, yeah, you do have to um, be as clear as you can, as concise as you can, and short short sentences really help because otherwise you yeah you lose people if it, if the trail of sentence goes on too long and. As a language learner then, Jamie, what are you doing then to help yourself? Are you watching TV in Dutch? Are you reading lots? Yeah, practicing as much as I can. Trying, just trying, 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 trying. Do, do, do. Um, a lot of people I find have been very helpful and, you know, they won't laugh at you straight away for your horrendous pronunciation. <laughs> you know, they're yeah, really supportive and they appreciate the effort because they keep telling me it's not an easy language right. to, to speak and to learn. For me, it's their pronunciation. I, I can read and quite understand quite a lot. But just again, it's that practice of finding the, the where the vowels are in the mouth, where the consonants are placed. Mm. Um, Why is it that language learners, we all feel it, that if we try and mess up that we think people are going to laugh at us? I think that just never happens or hopefully it never happens. I think people appreciate you trying to speak their yeah. language, do you think? Yeah, I, yeah. For me, it's an embarrass. I feel embarrassed that you you don't want to offend people that 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 they would think you're being sloppy or lazy because you don't care that you oh. don't want it to you know that you're being insulting to right. not even try to get it right. But in actual fact, you're trying very hard. Yeah. <laughs> So I think your yeah yeah your all your your own insecurities often are the things that stop you. But just trying out, you know, before a telephone conversation, I have to prepare my sentences. I prepare what I'm going to say, mm. and I practice it a little bit out loud. Yeah, good. So I've got the feeling and. Yeah, but how do you feel once those conversations have taken place and they've gone well? Yeah, I I try to feel. Uh, pleased about it you know I'll try to feel yeah I mean I feel I feel proud that I tried initially and that's still quite difficult especially when suddenly someone rapid fire responds to you and they've spoken so fast and so and if you can't if it's on the phone that's really tough because you can't see their mouth you can't sort of you're you're getting a lot of information by body language as you know you know mm -hmm. that's so helpful yeah. so but I, you know, I just learned the word for please. Could you say that um, again slowly? You there know? you go. Solution. So, <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask you one final question. Just yeah. 
if a non-native English speaker were going to New Zealand now, what should they expect? They should be pleased and relieved that New Zealanders speak quite slowly. Um, it's not a fast tempo. They're very relaxed and warm and uh, they tend not to dismiss somebody who is uh, struggling or, or is not. They really give time to people because um, people are in much less of a hurry about their lives. Um, obviously, there's uh, caveats to that yeah. and there's <laughs> going to be rude you know, idiots around the globe, <laughs> including in New Zealand, who, you know, who may not have the time, but generally there is a, yeah, you know, you can try, you can try it out and there is a real acceptance to, for people to allow you to perhaps make some mistakes with your English, perhaps try your sentence again, and, and they'll give you a real, you know, probably pat you on the shoulder and go, good on you, mate. Yeah. I love that Jamie prepares what she's going to say and practices it a little out loud before speaking to someone. It can really help you feel less nervous. And if the person you're speaking to replies very quickly and you don't understand everything, make sure, like Jamie, that you have a few useful phrases ready. In English, these could be Could you repeat that, please? Or Sorry, I don't understand. Could you say that again, please? Or Can you say that again more slowly, please? Or If you just want to confirm what you heard, you could say something like I'm not sure I caught all of that. Did you say so, as Jamie was talking about open vowel sounds, this episode's pronunciation tip is about the difference between the English vowel sounds er and or. These long vowels can sound very similar to learners, so let's think about how your mouth shape changes first. When you say er, you have a nice open mouth, your jaw and tongue are relaxed, and maybe you feel your tongue come forward a little, but it stays behind your bottom teeth. Uh. Now, as you change to OR, notice how only your lips move forward to make more of an oval shape. OR. To practice this difference, I have three sentences with similar words or minimal pairs. First, the verbs to walk meaning to travel by foot, and to work, meaning to complete tasks for money. Try this sentence. I walk to work every day. Next, the words shirt, meaning clothing you wear on the top half of your body, and short, meaning the opposite of long. Try this sentence. That shirt is too short. Finally, the verbs heard, past tense of to hear, and to hoard, meaning to keep stuff for no reason, so you have too much and no space. Try this sentence. I heard they hoard old newspapers. Bonus sentence. For extra practice, try this sentence. 
I heard they walk to work in a shirt that's too short. So, to recap, think about your open mouth position and how only your lips move forward to change from er to or. Over to you to practice. So, there we are. The transcript of this episode is available to read on the podcast's webpage, so take a look. Join me next time for more pronunciation and grammar tips, more advice, and most importantly, more chatting. My thanks again to Jamie, and for her music, a huge thanks to the wonderful Mara Carlisle. Bye for now.